I'm Paul Levinson, and welcome to Light On, Light Through, episode 123, in which I have another conversation, they're usually about twice a year, with the inimitable Captain Phil. And as usual, we talk about my music, science fiction, and Donald Trump, except this time couple of new things. My album, Welcome Up, is right now in the process of being released. And Phil plays two songs from that album. At the beginning, I Knew You by Heart. And at the end, If I Traveled to the Past. So you can look forward to that in what you're going to hear. And also... We're still in the impeachment trial of Donald Trump. And in addition to that, the Iowa caucus and the New Hampshire primary is coming up very soon in just a couple of days. So lots of things to talk about. Sit back and enjoy this interview.
on WUSB Stony Brook. I'm just adjusting my levels here. And that was from his new album, Welcome Up, Paul Levinson, Songs of Space and Time. And that was I Knew You by Heart. I did play um, track six off of the album, uh, Welcome Up. But you know what? We're in the middle of uh, uh, some politics talk here. So I know, uh, Paul, you're... You're, you you can you can roll with it. We're on the air, and, and Bill is just wrapping up. But you're on the air with legendary <laughs> activist and WUSB DJ uh, Bill McNulty, who did hard time uh, for protesting the School of the Americas. Uh, so have a say hello to um, Paul Levinson there, uh, Bill. Hello, Paul. It's nice to be here, awaiting your arrival. Well, good. I'm glad that that somebody is awaiting uh, <laughs> me. That, that's all. Are, that's... <laughs> are you a professor at Fordham? Yes, last time I checked, I was. In okay. fact, I, I have a class I'm teaching uh, at 4 o'clock today. What's the name of the class? Well, it's a perfect class for these times, Digital Media and Public Responsibility. So wow. I, I have to at least thank Trump for that. I mean, you know, he gives me something to talk about sure. every single class. The reason so. I ask, I graduated from Fordham back in 1956. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, well, I, I grew up in the Bronx. You know, I, I lived uh, here with my parents uh, off Allerton Avenue, Allerton and Oldville Avenue, right around that time. So I used to walk by Fordham University all the time. Wow, that's quite a history. Brennan is a graduate. Uh, you got the teach out up there. She makes history. I don't know if you know her or not, but... I don't know her personally, but yeah. I, I think she has great political positions. Well, that's great. It sort of connects me to my days there at Fordham, which I say concluded in 56. So that goes back. I'd ask you if you knew so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so, but they've already gone in more ways than one. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, people often ask me, when am I going to retire? And I was chair of the department, actually, uh, from 2002 to 2008. And we had uh, an adjunct professor. I'm not sure if he was there when you were there, uh, Everett Parker, who actually went way, way back to the 1930s. He was one of the people who actually helped create the FCC. Oh. And he was in his 90s. And this guy, you know, you know, taught a couple of classes, uh, and the students loved him. So oh. my principle is, uh, hey, you know, you can carry me out uh, <laughs> whenever the time comes. Well, that's good. That's good to have that attitude, you know. Paul, are you going to go out like Ditto in the movie Teachers? Do you remember that? <laughs> no, tell me about it. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, this this is real. Well, well uh, Bill McNulty used to be a teacher as well, as am I. So I always said I wanted to die like Ditto. <laughs> There's this uh, movie called Teachers, and um, in it, uh, this goes back to the mimeograph days where you like put in the blue ink, yeah. and you would run off your copies on a mimeograph machine, which is the barrel, right. and your fingers would turn blue from, from the ink, <laughs> right? right? Yeah. So Ditto's class was, he um, did all these dittos, and the entire class was him sitting at his desk under piles and piles of these dittos. He never said anything. He sat there and read the newspaper, and the kids just filled out these worksheets. That was the entire class. And, and he would always have to be first in line to use the mimeograph machine. So, <laughs> Sounds so, familiar. So it sh shows the kids coming through and doing that, except Ditto, um, 
in second or third period has a heart attack Uh-oh. and dies right. at his desk. Right. Right. And they yeah. don't catch him for six periods. <laughs> they don't realize. He's behind the papers. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, his fingers would have been blue anyway. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like so That's great. Such, but he never had any yeah. contact with anything. <laughs> Listen, um, before Bill goes, and I also we, I want to spend some time talking about the album, but Bill was just talking about the Democratic um, nominations and mm-hmm. for the primaries. Right. And of course, um, you know, Bill... Bill and I are both you know, big Warren and, and Bernie fans, right. but I had posed him the question, um, will the Democratic National Committee allow those persons with socialist tendencies to be there, or do they want the corporate-type Democrats? Uh, what say you, Paul Evanson? It doesn't matter what they want. I mean, basically, I mean, and this frankly is uh, one of the... Uh, falsehoods about what happened in 2016 whether you like hillary or not she beat bernie by what about four million votes she didn't need the superdelegates and that's why she got the nomination so i think the same thing is going to happen this time i think whoever you know wins the 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 primaries the most number of primaries that will be the person who gets the nomination and, and if it's bernie there's nothing the the dnc can or will do to to stop him. But but I'll also throw this in, as long as we're talking about the election. I care about one thing so much more than everything else (laughs) that it's not even worth talking about everything else, and I'm sure you know what that is. And that's getting this monstrosity out of office. He's not going to be removed. Uh, You know, it looks like the cowardly uh, Republicans are not even going to allow John Bolton to testify. So forget about that. The only way we're going to get this guy out of office is to vote him out of office. And that's why, as far as I'm concerned, I'm not even endorsing anyone, not that it matters who I endorse, in the primaries. I want to see how they do, and uh, I'm going to support the person who, you know, is getting the most amount of votes, is revving up the most uh, number of people, because we can't afford another four years of, of what we've just been going through. Bill? Very true. I, I agree with you 100%. You said it. Yeah, that we we were not the democracy will not survive another four years with this guy running the show. So it's very important. You know, it's it's funny, uh, Paul and Bill. When I moved up of state, um, of course, you know, I had to fill out for the registration. And at the time I moved and the time I filled that out, I had it in my head that Trump was going to get primaried. So I registered as a Republican (laughs) (laughs) because I didn't really, first of all, the Democratic nominee comes to New York so late in the process. I never felt like a participant, you know, and and of course I would never vote. I'll never vote Republican again after this administration, you know. Um, But in fact, I don't think I've ever voted Republican. (laughs) But if I ever, you know, if, if, if I ever had my druthers, you know, to do that. But. I'm looking forward to the day when the local politicians come to me um, and knock on my door to get my support because I'll be up on the on the Republican you know, <laughs> side and say to them, "Are you a Republican? How did you support this? Look at this man! Look what he did! He, look, he he's an adulterer! He's he's a liar! He's he he said horrible things about women! He said horrible things about and this is who? How can you do that? Why aren't you fighting this? That's what I want to see. I want to look in their eyes." <laughs> 
<laughs> well, that would be fun. I, I have to say, I did vote Republican a total of once, and that was actually the first time I voted. It was 1969, and I voted for John Lindsay for mayor in New York because he had come out against the war in Vietnam, yeah. uh, unlike the Democrats, who, in fact, were pretty much still in favor of the war back then. So, uh, But that was a very different kind of Republican party back yeah. then. Listen, uh, Paul, we're going to say goodbye to Bill McNulty, who is packing up his gear as we speak. Bill has a show on Thursdays, every Thursday, called uh, Lunch on Thursdays with Bill McNulty. And, of course, you can stream it here and listen to it. And Bill um, can be seen standing in the middle of the street on 25A on Saturday mornings <laughs> protesting various things. Um, 17 years. 17 worth, yeah. years. Um, but Bill has uh, tremendous credentials, and it was a... He is one of my go-to guys. I've always wanted to be on the air uh, alongside him, and today uh, we made that happen. So it's I... been my pleasure, and I'm sorry that I, I'm not here tomorrow, Paul, but I'll tune in the radio as I'm heading down the road. I've actually been here since 8 this morning. Yes, so, <laughs> so the man needs a break. <laughs> I gotta go, but Paul, it's nice talking with you. Same here. Same here. His... I feel more connected than uh, I have in a long time. His time in prison was, was, was easier than his time sitting here with Captain <laughs> Phil. <laughs> I, I can understand that. It's all, but it's a good closing. It's a good segue. Uh, segue out the door. WUSB loves you, Bill McNulty. Never forget that. Well, I and tell you, I appreciate those sentiments for sure. Yes. I always have the feeling that on the other end of the wire, they're all shutting me off. But we'll see how that works out. <laughs> I would never shut your, your show off ever because you never know when the squirrels are going to show up. You said it. Well, it's my pleasure. Nice to Take talk care. to you, Paul. Take care, Bill. All right. So we're going to talk a little bit more, and then in about 15 minutes, uh, we're going to talk about the CD. I have uh, Skip Miller uh, calling in around uh, 2.50, o'clock to talk about um, Skip Fest, uh, but we still have some uh, politics going on here. So, all right, so that was interesting. So um, do you have any idea, um, Paul, who do you think it's going to be? I mean, it seems like um, the Bernie campaign has some legs right now, and Biden seems to be making ridiculous mistakes here and there. Um, what, what say you? Well, it's a very interesting thing. I do agree that Bernie has legs. I think, ironically, or maybe that's not the best word, but Biden's name is being mentioned during the uh, impeachment trial like once every 10 or 15 minutes maybe even more. I mean, every time the Republicans get up, that's what they start babbling about. So I think, uh, yeah, I guess ironic is the word. That, I think, is probably helping Biden because it's calling attention to the fact that uh, Trump and the Republicans and what this whole impeachment trial is about is Trump's fear of Joseph Biden. And I don't know why he fears Joseph Biden. I don't know if that's a gut feeling. I don't know if that's some kind of deep Republican survey. Who knows? But uh, to me, that's a, a, an important point. And uh, clearly, the two top contenders at this point are Bernie and Biden. And depending upon which poll you look at, both in Iowa and elsewhere, one or the other is on top. I think in the national polls, Biden has been consistently at least five or ten points ahead of Bernie. And, um, you know, I think both of them uh, have policies that I could support. And uh, for that matter, I like Elizabeth Warren. I'll tell you who I don't particularly have confidence in, and that's Pete Buttigieg. N not that I dislike his ideas, and I would happily vote for him uh, against Trump uh, any day of the week. 
but I just think he doesn't have the experience. And uh, he, he, that's a dangerous thing, as we've seen in the case of, uh, of Donald Trump. Now, it's true, you know, Obama didn't have that much experience, but, you know, being mayor of South Bend, Indiana, I don't know. It's just, you know, n not the best, uh, you, you know, ramping up to being president of the United States with nothing in between. Uh, I also like uh, Amy Klobuchar. I think you know she's uh, you know very uh, articulate uh, uh, person, and you know I don't even know ultimately what my position is on health care. Uh, and to sort of unpack that, I think that we should have health care for everyone. I think it's a human right. I agree completely with Bernie and, uh, and Elizabeth Warren on that. But I'm not sure if the way to get there is to just go right into that. Maybe the best way is indeed building up buttressing, expanding the affordable health care and use that as a foundation. Because the last thing I want to see happen is health care for, for all, some kind of Medicare for all is enacted uh, by the uh, you know, by by a democratically, let's hope, controlled Senate and House, and signed into law, let's say, by President Sanders, uh, only for Republicans to come back as they did with Obama and and make a lot of trouble for that kind of thing. So, but again, I, I'm, I'm I still haven't decided, and that's certainly one of the most important issues for me. I think you know the other issues though are very important too. You know, the climate issues that's extremely important. Uh, I, I, I don't think actually none of the major candidates now have talked enough about controlling gun violence in the United yeah. States, and that bothers me. And yeah, uh, I think Castro was good with that, but he's he's no longer there. So, certainly. Uh, well, speak, speaking of Castro and and uh, some of the other uh, dropouts, um, the 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 people running have become very pale. There are no people of color running anymore, and there's been some talk about why are we holding the first primaries in a notoriously um, white state. Is is that a thing? And you know, I've been hearing that on on uh, Democracy Now. I've been hearing that from other sources. Um, should the Democratic primary kick off in different areas? Yeah, and it's not only because these first two states are all white. It is because why should these states, for whatever reason, be the first states? They're no more or less important than any other states. So uh, I, I think it is a good idea not to have just one single primary day. It is good to see how candidates do over a four or five month period of time. But there should be m literally maybe, you know, some kind of, you know, pulling the names out of a hat of the states so that it varies uh, from election to election. But the other point I'd make is if you look at the national polls and you look even more specifically at a state like South Carolina, which is you know coming up pretty quickly after 
Iowa and New Hampshire. Uh, South Carolina has a huge African-American population who are supporting, uh, by huge numbers, Biden. And uh, from what I've seen in terms of the surveys there, the only African-American demographic that supports Bernie, unsurprisingly, is, is the youngest demographic, like 18 to 25. Anything over that, they just, by huge margins, support Biden. So, you know, you can't attribute the support of Biden to, you know, any kind of even unconscious racism uh, when you have so many African Americans being so enthusiastic uh, about him. And I think, again, that has to be taken seriously. That's why, I, you know, look, I don't think Biden didn't look very good so far in any of the debates. It's not his medium. You know, he doesn't uh, speak very well. There's a Yiddish expression called fumfering, uh, which means <laughs> the best translation, I guess, is like slightly stammering. He And actually, Biden uh, does have a, literally a medical stuttering problem, which he's managed to overcome, and maybe that's part of the reason. But that, to me, is a very minor point. What counts are his positions, and what also counts is his ability to attract at least some of uh, the people who voted for Trump, which, by the way, is an argument for Bernie, because it is the case that, for whatever reason, Bernie and Trump have always seemed to appeal to some number of similar voters. Do you think Bernie... I mean, the one thing I love about Bernie in the race, and, and a lot of people, you know, um, you know, oh, no, you know, he's, he's, he's a socialist, he's this, he's that. I, I find his effect brings brings certain topics up for discussion that would ordinarily be just ignored and he's he's pulling the party very slowly and deliberately a more progressive and i really feel like if the democrat the democratic party seems to me to be like an oil tanker you just don't turn on a dime you know it's it's a gradual process and i feel like bernie is that wind that's blowing it but he may never become president but i think his effect on the government, unless the Republicans get a landslide, and, and you know, <laughs> God forbid, in November, um, you know, um, I think his effect will be felt for generations to come after he's gone. You know, I agree with you. I think, in his own way, he's a great man. He's had a, a, a very beneficial impact uh, on the Democratic Party, on the United States in general, and, and and that'll be the case whether he's elected president or not. I'm just concerned. You know, you, you we can talk forever about why Hillary Clinton lost the Electoral College, starting with the Electoral College is a stupid thing. Why not just do it in a normal way? You know, but, you know, when you get beyond that, you know, it bothers me that in those Midwest states, thousands of people voted for Joe Stein, many of whom were disappointed Bernie uh, people, and that was a grievous mistake, uh, you know, because look what we got as a result of that. So, again, I don't want to lose track of what I see as the essential is too weak a word for it that's how important it is that we nominate the best possible candidate to beat trump and then we go on and beat trump uh, nothing else matters to me at this point and and speaking of trump but i i'm, I'm trying to, i'm consciously leaving time because i do want to talk about the record um but speaking of trump um tomorrow is trump going to be acquitted and exonerated 
Uh, well, first of all, he's not going to be exonerated. Yes, yeah, there's, yeah. A, there's a difference between acquittal and exoneration. All acquittal means is that you weren't found guilty. In this, it doesn't mean that there's some kind of you know proof that you never did the crime or whatever. Uh, well, look, I'm I'm always the optimist. I'm hoping that you know it looks at this point like you know Romney and Collins and Murkowski will vote for witnesses, but we need four. I don't think Roberts is going to step in as chief justice and break the 50-50 tie, which means that a resolution to call witnesses, if it ends up just 50-50, will fail. And if that happens, then the next thing we'll see is. Yeah, he, he's going to be acquitted, which is unfortunate. If uh, John Bolton is called, I still think Trump is going to be acquitted, but I think at least more of the story will come out, and there's always a chance that things could fall apart for Trump's team. So, but you know, looking at the situation right now, you know, two thirty on the Thursday. Uh, if I had to bet money on where we'd be tomorrow, I would say it would be pretty much over. But I'm still holding out hope that at least one or two more Republicans will see the light. Yeah, yeah. Um, I hope so. I mean, I mean, we were going to make time to talk about Star Wars. We're going to skip over Star Wars. But it's kind of like the ending of the last Star Wars movie. You're waiting for Lando Calrissian to show up. <laughs> <laughs> Will Lando come back with, yeah. with, with Collins in the Millennium Falcon and save us all, you know? Yeah. I don't think so. <laughs> no, I don't think so. And, 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 I mean, Collins is notoriously unreliable for these sort of things. I think she just goes where they – I think she does what they tell her to do. And, and I, don't know where, I don't know where she got this reputation where she could be changed. She never changes, you know. So No, no, once or twice. She was she, – as far as, you know, John McCain's thumbs-down vote – was possible he was the decisive vote because Collins was voting uh, to not uh, defeat the Affordable Care Act at that point. Okay. So, so she has had one or two good votes, but what people justifiably remember is her atrocious vote in favor of Kavanaugh. Yes. Yeah. yeah I can't get over that. I, I know. I'm, I'm I'm heartbroken. I feel that he must have some terrible dirt on her or something. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I mean. Oh, so, I mean, we could go on like this for hours. Paul Levinson has a brand new album out called Welcome Up, and it is his second album in how many years, Paul? Almost 50 years. I mean, 1972 is twice upon a rhyme. So, you know, they'll often tell people, my plan was to wait like almost 50 years, let like public interest slowly simmer, and then when it was, the time was right, cut out with the album. This the is album. a longer wait than than Boston's third album. <laughs> You're not kidding. <laughs> I remember yeah. listening. I remember uh, driving, and I was—I just became. I—I I, I must have been in my late twenties, uh, and uh, yeah, my late twenties. I was driving in, in Setauket up here, and and I was listening to the radio, and and they said, um, "Here is the, here is the brand new Boston album, the third album we've been waiting for. Here it comes," and and he and and the music started, and it was it was Funky Town, <laughs> right? And then the DJ scratched the record and said, "April Fools." <laughs> 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 
I I yeah. was weeping so hard I almost crashed the car. It was just terrible. Oh, it was so, but yeah, fifty years, fifty years. So you've beat Boston. <laughs> oh, I'm thrilled. What an honor. And this was this was recorded up in Buffalo uh, last Thanksgiving. Uh, no, t- well, two Thanksgivings ago. <laughs> well, close on both accounts. It was recorded in a little town called Batavia, yes. which is sort of you know not that far from Buffalo, and uh, because the record company Old Bear Records is headquartered in Buffalo. But by the way, they, they have all kinds of fascinating contacts. The vinyl is being uh, printed up and distributed by Light in the Attic, which is really cool because they have like all kinds of you know for people who are into vinyl, uh, great artists, uh, you know Chris Christopherson. I mean. Wow. Just, the board, so I'm really happy about that. But th- so that recording took place at the very end of October and the first day of November. So it's more of a Halloween album, and probably more that's more appreciate right. <laughs> anyway right. uh, for this, these kinds of songs because they're all science fiction and fantasy than a Thanksgiving album. But right, and that was 2018. So I've been talking about this thing now for like over a year, and now finally it's here. And and have you performed uh, live? Have you done these? I think you I think you played. I think you sang uh, an unplugged set at PhilCon. Yes, that's right. Uh, as a matter of fact, it was an unusual unplugged set. Unplugged set, and I'm going to be doing it again at Heliosphere uh, on April fourth. Uh, 2020 in Tarrytown, New York. I uh, what Old Bear did is they sent me the final mixes of the tracks without my voice, so I I can play those tracks. You know because it, the the musicians are all up in Buffalo. It's expensive to get them down here, and if I work with new musicians, uh, eventually I'll start doing that. But for now, for the next couple of months, the performances I'm going to be doing are the tracks going to be playing, and you'll hear my voice singing live. And in fact. There's a YouTube uh, video I put up. Anyone who searches on Paul Levinson and YouTube, you, you'll find that video of the whole PhilCon performance. And yeah, my next performance will be at, at Heliosphere. Heliosphere is the convention that's taken, uh, basically taking the place of Lunacon. It's up in the Tarrytown, Westchester area. Um, what's the date again, uh, Paul? April 4th, 2020. In fact, I can even tell you the time. It's 2.30 to 3.30. Uh, it's a Saturday afternoon. And I, I love to uh, to see people there. I got a really good uh, turnout, by the way, about 35 people at, uh, at Philcon. And uh, I, I guess people... Uh, you know, who've read my science fiction over the years, because I, I would say hardly anyone in the audience, probably no one in that audience had heard Twice Upon a Rhyme. They, they came because they knew me as a science fiction author. And that, in a way, is the essence of the album. I mean, as you know, some songs are explicitly science fiction. If I travel to the past, Alpha Centauri, Torsetti, even Welcome Up, and other songs like I Knew You by Heart, Cloudy Sunday, are sort of there are love songs where there's an implied uh, science fiction theme. I played you, I tried to play you in, <laughs> we had a little disconnect, uh, to um, um, I Knew You By Heart. Yeah. And um, and I, I played that around uh, 1 o'clock when I took the reins over from Bill McNulty. And, um, and then we got into um, our little discussion and everything. Um, tell me a little bit about it because people can go back and, and, and listen to this. And, of course, if anybody listening uh, wants 
a copy of the rambling political discussion uh, Bill and I did, um, I'd be happy to send it to you. Just go on the Captain Phil's Planet Facebook group page or contact the radio station, WUSB.FM. I said it too fast. WUSB.FM. And you can send an email uh, to us. And I have to say, again, because we were talking politics for a good 90 minutes here, the opinions expressed here on this show today are the opinions of the person who gave them. They do not reflect the opinions of WUSB or WUSB management as a whole. (laughs) So if you're angry at what we said, if it's causing you um, to get a bee in your bonnet, uh, then you, and and you want to complain, complain about uh, me and Paul and Bill. Um, But WUSB is pure, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> has the driven snow. <laughs> and it's That's a good line reflecting. for a song. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But anyway, back to I Knew You By Heart. Tell me a little bit about what was going on in, in your head with that song. Well, it's a great story for a variety of reasons. First of all, uh, back to Twice Upon a Rhyme in 1972, uh, there was uh, someone who played guitar on every single track. His name is Peter Rosenthal. And in fact, we even co-wrote one of the songs on Twice Upon a Rhyme, Antique Shop, The Coming of Winter. And again, that was years before Game of Thrones, you know, The Coming of Winter. Anyway, Pete went on to uh, become a dentist and uh, for many years getting in touch with him was like pulling teeth (laughs) sorry (laughs) but here's where the science fiction literally comes in at the end of 1999 I was on television uh, with a group of science fiction writers including Catherine Asaro and several other pretty well known writers we were on a panel talking about how science fiction writers see the 21st century playing out Okay, and I usually get the feeling whenever I'm on any television show, I'm lucky, you know, uh, if, if five people are listening to it. But apparently, or watching it. But apparently, a lot of people were watching this, including Peter Rosenthal. And by the way, he lives on the island, uh, probably about 10, 15 minutes even from your, uh, you know, radio station. So if you're a good dentist, yeah, exactly, <laughs> or a guitar player. player. That's right, either one. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And so I get an email from him like a couple of days later saying, hey, I saw you, uh, you know, on that uh, show, you know, you know, you look and sound good, blah, blah, blah. And so we started exchanging emails. And for whatever reason, I mean, the first thing I thought of pretty much was, why don't uh, Pete, why don't I send you some lyrics? Uh, and I actually sent him two sets of lyrics. Uh, one was Alpha Centauri because I had just finished writing Borrowed Tides, my second novel about the first starship to Alpha Centauri. But the other was a song where I had come up with the title also about 30 years earlier, but uh, I had never written anything other than the title. I knew you by heart. And so I sat down, wrote the lyrics, and sent them out to Pete, and he put that really, uh, I think, beautiful, haunting melody to it. The, the reason why it's on Welcome Up Songs of Space and Time is, you know, if you think about actually any kind of like love at first sight situation, you know, the, the idea that I knew you by heart could either be, in effect, a very nice metaphor, or if you're like in science fiction territory, 
who knows maybe you ran into each other some sometime in the past you, you or maybe your future self time traveled to the past whatever so it struck me and the uh, producer Chris Hoisington of the album that that would be you know really nice a song to put on a science fiction and fantasy album or if you're an alien who enjoys eating human hearts and yeah uh, <laughs> uh, yeah very that's a good point. Thank you for that image. No problem. I'll see if we can change the cover. Yeah, yeah. We'll put in like the Beatles butcher cover. On it. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, there you go. That's all yours, Paul. You can have that. Okay, thank you. Good. I'm not going to try to keep that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm just I'm just flashing on Terry Bisson's "They're Made of Meat" uh, yes. short story from that nobody remembers, but I'm sure you and I remember. This will be the end of my career. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Thank you, Captain Phil. <laughs> yeah. Captain Phil killed another career. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I could put the stamp on the side of my truck. <laughs> he killed his own career. Now he's yeah. got more. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. All right. So so that's that's so cool though. So that that brought you back. Do you remember uh, what news? Uh, pro, what was it? CNN? You said that you were on. No, I I, I deliberately didn't mention. <laughs> The network I was on, and now I mention it, and you'll know why it was Fox News. But but I got the, the cable you'll, station. You'll, you'll talk on. I mean, I mentioned that you talked on yeah. Fox before. You'll talk on anybody yeah. who will have you on. Hence, That's true. You know, you're hearing on WSB. No. But <laughs> yeah, exactly. But no, but I mean, you, you, you know, Fox News is allowed to have uh, normal, reasonable, educated people on. <laughs> I don't think. <laughs> You know. I know. I know. Well, the question I, I, is, did they turn your mic off? <laughs> no, they let it, they left it on. And believe it or not, I was on Bill o after that. I was on Bill yeah. O'Reilly's show yeah. four or five times. Neil Cavuto. They went you know crazy with me, even though I disagreed with everything that they said. But but on this show, actually, there was nothing to disagree with. They were just asking for our opinions. So. Wow! Wow! Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, Fox has to fill up a lot of time too. So they got desperate. Yeah. They got desperate. But I think that's. I remember you wrote an article um, years ago on how to become a talking head on these shows. It was like yeah. a how-to thing. Is that in your blog? It probably is someplace. I always talk about it. Yeah. I mean, but I, I, do you know what the key uh, point is? If there's one point. Never say no to an interview. Now, a request. So, I mean, that assumes, of course, that you get a request. If if you're just like so out of the loop that nobody's interested in talking to you, then it's much harder. But a lot of people, especially in the academic world, they get a call. Hey, you know, can you be on um, you know my show? You know, tonight. Okay, well, what time's the show? Like eight o'clock in the evening. Well, let's see. Uh, I have a class that ends at six. Now, you know, it's a little bit of a drive from the Bronx into Manhattan. I always tell people yes, and uh, you know, one way or another, you, you get there, and that is what enables you to to be uh, you know on on a show and certainly on more than one show over the years. Uh, but uh, the the other thing is there are people who think they need to prepare to be on these. <laughs> That's a serious mistake. <laughs> Never prepare. <laughs> if you don't know what you're talking about, uh, you know, I don't know, move to Antarctica or something. You'll be happy there, I'm sure. Um, earlier in the show, earlier in the show, I was talking with Bill McNulty, and I played a CNN clip, um, and it was uh, the... 
the Republican strategist who's they were talking about the whole NPR Mike Pompeo thing. And the Republican strategist guy, whose name just fell out of my head, and I can't get it back because I have a million tabs open on my computer right now. Um, he, they were talking to this woman, this NPR reporter, who Pompeo was cursing and screaming at, you know, in the back room, mm-hmm. um, pointed, pointed, you know, said, find Ukraine on the map for me, you know, on an unmarked map. And, of course, you know, her academic credentials were, were, were you know, Perfect. They were magnificent, and of course she could find the Ukraine on the map. And the the guy talking, the Republican guy talking, says, "Here's the deal: um, Donald Trump couldn't find Ukraine on the map if you put the letter U next to it and a picture of a crane." And the host just started laughing. And 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 I mean, and I'm watching. This is like not for radio, but he was actually, you know, dabbing his eyes with a tissue. He was laughing so hard he was crying. And they just like went off. On you know we don't need no fancy book learning we don't need to know any you know any kind yeah, of country yeah. names and I really felt it was a um, public uh, intellectual castration of Mike Pompeo you know of this horrible thing he did you know and, and and what could be worse than a bunch of people laughing at you like that um, I mean were you ever in a situation where where the person you were talking about was was did something so heinous and so incompetent and so ridiculous like that or was it more of these science fiction type of like here's you know here's what's in the next 50 years sort of thing no uh apropos of bill o'reilly you know uh i actually enjoyed being on his shows because you know you always have a nice lively conversation but with o'reilly it goes beyond lively it goes into absolute insults but for whatever reason he didn't mind when i uh, pushed back the first time in fact i was on his show it was to talk about some woman in youngstown ohio who was a news anchor there, and she went down to Florida with her husband on vacation and took her clothes off after she got drunk in a wet T-shirt contest. And O'Reilly was, like, blustering on, oh, you know, trust me, we'll never see this woman on television again. And this is, like, the very last few seconds of the interview. I could see the clock ticking, and I just blithely said, oh, I'm sure we'll see her as an anchor on Fox News in, in the next couple of months. <laughs> and O'Reilly couldn't believe it. So, and and the, uh, the academic president of Fordham University was so happy to see that, he made tapes of it, and he sent it out like, you know, all the chairs of departments. This is what you do when you're on television when somebody tries to badger you. So, yeah. And you're still here, and Bill is gone. So there, exactly. is, there, there it is. Um, we must tell people where to get this um, CD. We cannot mention uh, CD prices on the air, but okay. if I wanted to um, pick up a copy of Paul Levinson, Welcome Up, um, I could go to that convention, <laughs> Heliosphere, exactly. in Tarrytown, and right. see you in person on Saturday, um, right. 2.30 to 3.30. And I'm, I know you're going to have CDs there, but if, if I'm... I uh, can't make it for whatever reason. Where online could I find the CD, Paul? Well, just search the easiest way uh, of getting, because at this point the album is available. Let me mention, even though I hate to say because I, you know, I want the record company to make money, but they put it there. It is available on Bandcamp where you can listen to it for free. And you just search on Welcome Up Bandcamp and you'll, you'll get that there. If you search on, um, 
uh, Welcome Up CD, you'll get a link to that. And if you're a vinyl fan, and it's not that expensive, just a little over $30, it's, it's a limited uh, pressing, only 100 copies, just search on Welcome Up Light in the Attic, and you'll get right to that page as well. And, is, the, yeah. is the jacket art on the vinyl the same as the CD, um, the little CD with the, with the groups of galaxies? You know what? I, I assume so, but I haven't seen. Yes, it is because I'm just thinking. I was going to say I assume so. There is a picture, even though the vinyl isn't here yet. It's being still pressed up. It is the exact same picture of the uh, cool. the galaxy. There's also now a cool little clip of Welcome Up on YouTube, uh, where that picture is actually moving. You can see various meteors and stuff like that as I'm singing, hiding behind a raindrop. <laughs> Yeah, and and Paul, um, what's your latest book? What's what's where? I know we can go on Amazon and find all your books. Um, what's the latest uh, book that is out there, out and about? The latest is Robinson Calculator, yes. which I, I may have mentioned last time. That was, I guess, in August. I was on the show, and I think uh, so. Yeah, yeah. So that's still my latest book. I mean, I I actually have been focusing, in addition to the music, on short stories, even more than novels. I've had three stories now published in the New Amazing Stories, and um, they've expressed interest in a fourth story, so, you know, I'm, I'm happily pursuing that as well. Fantastic. And uh, just give us your URLs. Is it paullevinson.com? Is, is that how it goes? Um, actually, the the uh, best place is now Paul Lev, P-A-U-L-L-E-V, dot com okay. and by the way you'll find links to the cd and the vinyl and all the all the stuff there too i'm going to add that to um i'm going to after the show i'm going to add that to the playlist i've been doing a playlist as we've been going on here and what i'll do is i'll put that in there so if those of you in our listening area here if you've been listening to well you know how to find bill mcnulty okay you can find him on the street corner on saturday morning protesting <laughs> with the with the north country peace group and of course uh, lunch on thursdays here uh but for paul levinson i will add the links to the playlist um at some point after the show today so if you go on WSB and click playlist you'll see captain phil filling in for whether or not and it will be right there and you'll be able to uh, figure everything out uh, from that. Um, Paul, um, before we say goodbye, um, pick a track for me uh, that's not I Knew You By Heart uh, to play you out to. Um, if I Travel To The Past. If I Travel To The Past, and, uh, and talk us up. What's going on with I Travel To The Past? First of all, I wrote that song at the end of 2010 with John Anilio, who actually does his own podcast called Functional Nerds, along with uh, Patrick. And uh, I wrote the lyrics. He wrote the music to it. Time travel is probably my most frequently visited avenue as a writer of science fiction, so I figured I ought to write a song about it as well. Fantastic. And I'm, I'm sorry we didn't connect earlier. Um, it would have been a lively discussion. I will send you the MP3 of everything. And right. and uh, and we'll have to make plans in the future, Paul, 
uh, to have you on again, uh, maybe with uh, Bill McNulty. I think uh, I think you two are kindred spirits, and and it, it just seemed to be it would be nice to be in the room with two of the smartest people I know. <laughs> well, thank you. I, I, I'm available anytime. <laughs> <laughs> and and thank you so much, Paul, uh, for calling in and, and taking part in this. And uh, yeah, and uh, you know what? Let's not be too depressed tomorrow, <laughs> no matter what happens. Yep. And then when Election Day rolls around um, in, in November, get out there and vote. And uh, vote blue no matter what you do. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, my friend. Take care. Thank you so much for calling in. My pleasure. All you right. too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I traveled back so fast that the world was blind. Could have slipped through time, could I slip by? A paradox that turns the best into the worst case. on light through podcast well i hope you enjoyed that interview with captain phil i'll be back here soon with another podcast maybe another review maybe another interview maybe just some political comments who knows in the meantime enjoy AD. She ripped the paper in half, then ripped the halves, then ripped what was left again into bits and pieces of history that could have been.
Sierra Waters had read once that, years ago, it was thought that men made love for the thrill, while women made love for the sense of connection it gave them. Curled up with a good book says, Sierra Waters is sexy as hell. You can find out more about The Plot to Save Socrates by Paul Levinson at theplottosavesocrates.com. about an ancient biotech war raging on in secret for centuries.